Hola, bienvenidos. You are listening to Developing. My name is Chanel, and I am a cultural anthropologist on a mission to make those bland and boring textbook topics into something more exciting and interesting. Hello, my name is Carol. I'm embarking on a mission to empower young girls to have a dignified menstrual cycle and realize their full potential. This is an evolving podcast about an evolving project, and we are so happy you are here for the ride. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Ciao. Let's begin um, from the beginning, <laughs> from when we met and what it all means and why we're here now. We wouldn't be here without Peace Corps, <laughs> without talking about Peace Corps. I was in Panama and I was there with my friend in Katoa in a little <laughs> restaurant, in a little coffee shop. We were there to, I don't know, we were planning some project or usually we were there to get Wi-Fi and to like have AC. Um, like I said, I was in Panama. I was there for 2019 to 2020 for people listening. And, and Peace Corps, I guess we can talk about what that is. Peace Corps is the U.S. agency organization and they send people abroad, the U.S. sends train people abroad to do some type of work to help with people, to help people with the project. And so I was there to uh, support English teachers with their English teaching skills and anything they needed. And I was also doing like leadership and life skills stuff with high school students. So, so yeah, Peace Corps brings people together <laughs> for sure. <laughs> It's, it's so funny because, okay, so yes, I, I, I did Peace Corps in Madagascar for three years. And then I came home to Colombia. I'm originally from Colombia. But I, I was fortunate enough that I got my citizenship in the U.S. So I was able to do Peace Corps. I feel once you do service as a Peace Corps volunteer, you just have this this thing, this like vibe or like a little trademark. I don't know how to say it. Um, <laughs> and it was so funny because I don't think... 
my life had gone the way that it's going now if it wasn't for Peace Corps. Like I always say that my life is a before and after um, of my life in, in Madagascar. And I'm so very thankful. And I've, I've been able to connect to people that otherwise I would have never met. And and it's so funny because like when I met you, uh, I think we only talked like maybe once and we had, uh, I think we said, oh, we should hang out one more time. And because of the schedule that I had, it was impossible. So I was like, well, that's it. And then we started, uh, we stayed connected on on WhatsApp. And then, and then actually my best friend and I started this other podcast about Peace Corps service around the world. So we invited uh, Chanel to be part of it. And I think since then we've been kind of connected, uh, all this time. So sometimes I wish I could pause time. And so my life from Peace Corps is not so long ago because I'm coming up to my third year since I left. My, my town, my site, and what my life was there. And I wish I could just pause it, you know, and be like, oh, it's not four, five, six years ago, but it's just like three years and that's it. I don't want time to keep going. And my life keeps getting farther and farther away from what my service was. And I know it's obviously it's like clearly impossible, uh, but a good way to keep it alive is just to keep talking about it, right? Like I try to talk about Madagascar and my life as much as I want. Not only because I truly, truly love what it did to me, because it changed me forever as a woman and as a person in general, um, but also because it's, it's the easiest way for me to still feel connected to what to the community that I lived in. It's a very different life that you don't know. It's kind of like you don't know what you're mm-hmm. missing. You know, you don't know what you're what you don't know what's out there okay and so now i want to go into how we're we're in this point so this has happened you went into peace corps when 2015 right Mm -hmm. and now we're in 2021 i went into peace corps in 2019 Mm -hmm. and so how had all of this has brought us all of our experiences brought us to this moment i guess that's (laughs) for everything in peace corps or not (laughs) that's just how life is so we this podcast is gonna is gonna talk about you know, I'm, I'm sure there's so much that happened in Madagascar that has now impacted the organization that you're working on now. So I'm going to I'm going to give a little bit of background before I actually go into. Mm-hmm. So I came home, you know, like I said before, I took a break because I just couldn't deal with life. And then this job in Panama happened and I learned so many skills while I was in Panama. Mm-hmm. And then I came home again. And I was in between of like, OK, I'm, am I going to look for a job here in Colombia? Or do I want to go back abroad again? And I really, really wanted to go abroad again. So I reapplied to Peace Corps and I wanted to do mm. a response uh, position, which is a little bit different from the service. Just to describe mm-hmm. quickly, yeah, it's, it's very specific. You go and work with a specific organization and it's usually from like three months to a year. So I had applied to mm-hmm. go to Kenya. And mm. I felt that, like I had all the skills to go to Kenya and I was super excited. I was, I had downloaded Duolingo to start learning Swahili and, you know, because I, I really wanted to learn Swahili. I thought it was like <clears throat> such a, a beautiful language. And I don't know, in my mind, I was like, I honestly thought I was going to be selected to go to Kenya. And yeah. I got through the interview and I was like at the final phase of like being selected or not. And unfortunately, I got the email when they say, oh, you know, blah, 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 you are not selected. 
and I was <laughs> devastated. Like sad. I was so yeah. sad. I was like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get anything? Like I don't understand. I feel like I have very good skills. Uh, you know, I have very good background, like you know, like a decent educational background, um, and I, yeah. I just couldn't understand it. Um, and some people ask me, why don't you call and ask why they didn't choose choose you? And I was like, well, I, I yeah. don't want to get to that point. It's like, okay, well, it wasn't for me, and that's it. And yeah. I'm not lying the, here, but like literally, like two three weeks later, the pandemic the pandemic happened. So I was told mm, yeah. sometime in February, I think it was, that I wasn't selected because the group was about was gonna leave, I think was scheduled to leave about uh, around April or something for 2020. And I was like, oh my god, like I was so ready to go to Kenya. I was already planning my full year, living in Kenya, and you know, learning Swahili and why not. And then I got the email, and then pandemic happened, and then a few days later. Peace Corps was evacuated from every single post, and I was yeah. like, <laughs> Trauma. "Yeah, I was like, okay, I think it was destiny uh, <laughs> telling me that yeah, that's why I, I wasn't chosen." Because I think I don't know what would have hurt more. They tell me no, yeah. or being accepted and then not being able to go. But anyway, so I was devastated. Then I made my peace with it, and there's this whole thing, this COVID thing, kind of flip our lives upside down. So yeah. I was like, okay, so I have to stay in Colombia, and so I'm just gonna start looking for a job. And I look for some. I I don't know how many applications I sent out. Yeah. Nada. And the thing is that I don't know. It was so frustrating first because I thought like you know, um, I'm no. I, I don't want to brag about myself, but like I do have my masters. Yeah, but in public health. Yeah. I I've been. I live abroad for like over 18 years. I have certain skills, and I was like, I cannot believe, I cannot find a job. Like this is like I don't understand. Every time I look for a job, I was like, I was like, oh, I think my profile fits to what they are looking for. I think I'm able to do this job, but I honestly never saw a job that really excited me. I never saw a post yeah. that was like, oh man, I really want that job, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, do you think you were overqualified? I, I don't know. I, I, I to this point, I really mm. don't know what the problem is, and like it's t like the job market here in Colombia has always been the, very very difficult. So finding a job here in Colombia mm. is extremely difficult, but the pandemic obviously made it yeah made so it worse. much worse. And yeah. fast forward like I don't know nine months or so, I was so fed up. I was like emotionally devastated. I felt so frustrated professionally because I just couldn't believe it. And I was like, you know what? This is it. I, I cannot keep applying for jobs and not getting an answer mm -hmm. or not getting a reply or not getting even an interview. I'm done with it. So I sat down one day and I was like, I, I don't want this for my life, right? I want something that truly makes me happy. I don't want to have a job just because I need to have a job. And so I went back to my memories from Madagascar and I was like, what was the one thing that truly mm -hmm. made me happy? What was that one project or that one occasion yeah. that I was like, wow, I really love this. So um, when I was there, I had come up with, I, I created like a little small girls group. It's called Fikambanana to Vavi mm -hmm. Mizuru, which roughly translates to like a stand up girls. Those girls, I worked with 15 girls ages from like 12 to 15, and we worked for almost a year and a half. 
we met up every weekend and then when they had vacation they came to my house pretty much every day so I always had to be on my toes like coming up with different activities Your best behavior. and they yeah. you know I, I had to be very creative and very resourceful about things to do for them because I didn't really have yeah. the monetary the financial resources to come up with amazing like over the top activities but everything was like very homemade and went on yeah and I guess it's it's good to point really quick that usually from our experience what what I've seen when I was in Panama is people are the, the young students they there's not there's nothing mm -hmm. to do like there's no like rec center or like um, cheer yeah, team yeah. you know like these things there's nothing you there's nothing to do you're just idling the whole mm -hmm. day and like you know and, and we'll get into that what that means for girls because I guess it's different but just so for context like they these girls like you were you were giving them something to do something to like look mm -hmm. forward to I guess yeah. mm -hmm. um, and I learned so much from them throughout that year and a half it was like the most amazing experience so I was like okay what can I do that makes me that happy but I can do here locally so I started like doing uh, some research about the lives of girls here because as I mentioned before Peace Corps opens your eyes to so many things that you you just don't you just take for granted right so as a child yeah. as a little girl I grew up in a very privileged life where I, I had a school you know I had a good home I, I, I never lacked anything um, but being there um, I saw how difficult lives are for girls. Like, truly, they are very, very difficult. Uh, the ones that get lucky to go to school, yes, they go to school, but once they go home, they have to do all the chores. Uh, they really have no freedom. They they don't enjoy their childhood. Um, but anyways, mm -hmm. and the last mm -hmm. thing that I, I tried to, talk, to teach the girls was about menstrual education. And that's when I learned how difficult menstruation is for girls mm, for them in different contexts mm. outside you know like a developer mm. like a, a wealthy family or well-off family you know how buying pads mm. is impossible for them um yeah the shame about you know demonstration the taboos like i learned so much about that when i was in madagascar yeah. and i thought coming home it wasn't that bad i thought here the, the things were a little bit better uh there were more resources and and more girls were able to buy their pads or tampons if that's the case. I, I don't know. Like, in my mind, I thought the context was completely different. And to my surprise, it is very, very similar. Like, there is so, sim so many similarities between the context of little girls and adolescents here in Colombia and Madagascar that I was like, okay, I think this is what I'm going to do. Like, you know, I've done a lot of things, and I've done, I did a lot of... Mm -hmm community projects and in Panama I develop another set of skills but I don't think I have one specific specialty like I, there is no one topic that I really really knew about like I know a lot about malaria and I knew a lot about wash but those are not things that I mean they're extremely important but nothing that really I was like oh yeah I want to work on those and then again, I go back to my girls and like learning about the the, the yeah. lack of menstrual education and whatnot. And I was like, well, yeah. I think that's what I want to do. Um, so in September, I had like three years ago, my I had gone to this um, this vacation with my family to this small island called Isla Fuerte here in Colombia. 
And it was just vacation, you know, nothing more than a vacation. And my mom, like my sisters and I were went uh, scuba diving. And my mom, she's always have to be on the run, like doing something. So she just didn't want to wait for us at the hotel. So she went on a walk to the town in mm. the island. And randomly she met with a soccer coach. And she started talking to him. And so she got her phone, his phone number and like, you know, a couple of times he has helped him like fundraise or like buy things for like the kids to go to uh, on tournaments, like outside the oh, island. Okay, yeah, yeah. So in September, I sent a message to Juan. That's his name, Juan Carlos. I was like, Juan, um, you know, like I'm thinking about doing this because I really I don't know what else to do. I, I can find a job, and I think this is just what I I, I want to do. I'm gonna explore this idea and see where it goes. And he's like, what is it about? I was like, well, I would like to start like a little curriculum about menstrual education. And he's like, oh my God, like, can you come tomorrow? (laughs) And he was so excited about the idea. I was like, "Uh, well, I cannot travel right now, but because at the time the restrictions here in Colombia for COVID were super strict. So there was no traveling or anything. I was like, well, I cannot travel right now, but as soon as the flights are like, you know, I'm able to fly, I will go. So I planned like a few surveys and I went back, to, I went to the island for the first time after those, after three years in October and we did some um, surveys to see, you know, to see what people thought about menstruation, what were the taboos, what were the situation for the girls and why not. Mm-hmm. And that's where this whole thing kind of started. But even though it had started only in October, it has already evolved of, from my original idea because at the beginning I thought, okay, I'm just going to create just one specific menstrual education curriculum that can be adapted to different contexts in different rural uh, locations because I, I want this to be more rural than urban uh, mm. because even though there is a lot of needs in the urban settings, uh, the rural communities here in Colombia are very, very forgotten. So they usually don't get any resources, if any at all. Uh, so I was like, I want this to be specifically for our, um, rural settings. I was like, okay, I'm going to start in Isla Fuerte and see how that goes and see where we can replicate, replicate the program. But then after two more visits, I realized that I prefer to have something base and grounded in the island yeah. that is... It's obviously starting with menstrual education, but I want this to be a permanent project, a permanent program, I should say, uh, for empowerment and leadership among the girls and adolescents in the island Um, for many, many reasons. But I think for now, (laughs) that's the idea that um, we're going with this. You, yeah, usually for people that are interested in Peace Corps and development and being you know there's so many people that want to do mission trips that want to go abroad and help and i get told like a lot of people come to me all the time i I just want to help i just i have a passion for helping people i all of this and and i think yeah like who doesn't you know who doesn't want to help but usually um it's always like this huge idea or this very like this is like we think okay we we can we just need to teach them like you know about menstrual health and and it'll be fine like we will yeah like we we solved it (laughs) um but usually that's what happens you get to the the community and you come in with this idea or this project or this goal and it kind of goes sideways (laughs) because then you start to see oh well actually like there's not even like the basic which you know for you i guess 
you know, you're you're trying to teach menstrual health, but the basis maybe even is just like the wording for that. You know, the even the just the idea of something of a concept is not even there. And so for me, when I was in Panama, I was like, yeah, we're gonna do like all these clubs and. I would love, one of the things that I always wanted to do, and I wasn't able to because of the evacuation, I wanted to do a play. Um, and so we, we did a little bit of a play when I was there. I was working with a uni- with uh, my teachers at a university, and they were doing like a play in English. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, my, my main project was working with high school students. And I was like, oh, it'd be great to like spend the whole year, you know, we could do vocabulary. We could really learn a lot of English through this play. And then they can do it at the end. They can, you know, execute it. And, and it'll just be fun and great and everything. But then, like, you, there's, there's so much more <laughs> that happens that keeps you from doing just this big idea. And so then you have to really be flexible and be like, all right, well, this is an idea, but let me really see what really needs, what really needs to happen first. Like, so I remember for me, like, just teaching people English, um, it was good, but in one classroom, they could be all the levels. It could be, like, nothing very basic to, like, advance. And so I would have to figure out how can I, like, teach one class at a time when there's millions of levels going on, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Or, like, I would leave my house, there would be electricity in the community, I would leave my house, I would walk 15 minutes to the high school and the electricity would be gone, randomly. And so then I would have to be like, well, I can't, you know, I have to figure out how to teach them with just like paper posters and not my PowerPoint that I had worked on. So like, usually when I talk to people, they're like, yeah, I have, I want to do this like huge thing. And and we were talking earlier about how the main way that we see development work um, and grassroot work is like by this big big wins and these big like uh, no sé like these yeah these big wins but no one knows about how like how everything goes sideways <laughs> everything just goes like sideways and you just have to learn kind of that we're still working and, and being successful and still working towards that but it's not the way we thought it would be like to the point of what you're saying, you know, you come in with this idea, but you have to kind of think, okay, well, actually, I need to step back, like, I need to retroceder, you know, take some steps back and and see what, am, what do I need to do first. Um, and so I think it's important for people to know, like, because people don't know that, you know, un- until you get there, until you get to the community, you're like, whoa, no one explained to me. It's not really until you see it, until you see it for yourself that you're like, well, actually, I can't get any of this done until all of this, everything else happens. Yeah. Yeah. I had a mission. I don't know if I ever told you I had like a mission group go to my community for, and they were there for like, they were there for two days. (laughs) And I was like, why are you here? (laughs) Like, I was so upset with, it was a mission group and they were trying to teach English and they were, they were with the. A, um, a church trying to teach English and they were there for two days <laughs> and I was like what are you doing <laughs> for two days there's nothing you can do but people go with this idea that yeah we, we can get so much done in a week no yeah <laughs> you can't get anything done in the no. first six months yeah you know and so that people can listen to it and can say okay well now I have a better understanding of what it's like mm-hmm. it's not just about sending money money helps you know money the funds help mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but it's also about so much more and 
something that we had talked about too we forget like these people are are there's people you know there's people being impacted and these people's lives are not just the moments that the organization is in their life so i don't know if that makes sense like these people have other things to do i remember being in panama and being like uh, sometimes i would think like people don't care <laughs> that i like they care that i'm here but their life their understanding of peace corps is, is like a very small sliver of the rest of their life you know and sometimes with organizations with nonprofits um we just think like oh these people were like they were doing nothing until we got there and no like even when we're there they're still like worried about other things i don't you know i don't know if that makes sense yeah um, i think we can we yeah. can go to the savior complex right where these mm. communities are nothing without the intervention of an ngo whether it's big or small medium whatever um, yeah. Unfortunately, that's the idea that people from outside get when they hear about development mm. or like intervention of some kind of NGO in certain community. It's like, no, life goes on. The community keeps going on. People are still living mm -hmm. and dying and suffering and yeah. living happy lives all of yeah. at the same time, whether or not that person or that agency is present. Um, yeah. And that's very valid and that's extremely important to keep in mind when you are doing this kind of work, especially at the grassroots level, grassroots level, because the the big NGOs, like the multinational ones, they get so big at some point they just don't know what they are doing. I feel that's how yeah. I personally see it. I don't want to mm. trash talk about yeah. any NGOs, but yeah. I feel like sometimes they are so big and they have so many projects and they are present in so many countries that is like, how can you really? tell or know what you're doing if you have so many things yeah. going on at the same time um yeah and i like what you said about like people keep living and dying and they keep having babies and they keep having yeah. you know all these issues and they keep divorcing and marrying and going to yeah. school or not that keeps going on whether or not a mission or a project is taking place so all those things have to be taken in consideration i think the word help should be completely scratched from the vocabulary mm -hmm. because yeah. we are there to support or to mm -hmm. partner with somebody to make something better um, yeah. but we are not there to help and that's what I keep reminding myself with this idea that I have <laughs> because and it's so funny because when I started this I thought okay so I'm from the same country right I speak the same language because when I was in Madagascar I was like the Vaza, that's how we they call foreigners. So I was the Vaza, the mm. crazy one with the uh, the shaved head. <laughs> shaved uh, head. Yeah. And um, not completely shaved my head, but like side. Like on the on side. The side. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the one that, you know, at the beginning in Berlin knew how to speak Malagasy and I, I worked really hard to get to the point. Um, so I thought those, at that point when I was in Madagascar, those were kind of my limitations when I started working with my yeah. girls. And I thought, okay, so coming home is going to be easy, right? Like, I yeah. can do the same thing, and it's going to be quick, and everybody's going to love me, and, you know, all the girls are going to come to every single workshop because I'm Colombian and we speak the same language. And, oh, surprise, <laughs> all the same. No, it's not. It is it. not. Like, um there is so much to learn when you are trying to do this and it's actually taking a leap of faith because i don't know where this is going to go 
you know, at this moment, I don't even have a salary. Like, I'm get, barely getting by. And that's because I'm very privileged that I can get, and I just say, I, I'm living with my parents right now. So I don't have to. Shout out to the parents. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank um, you, mom and dad. <laughs> exactly. Because if I didn't have the support and my sister's support and like all these friends that have come together to help me fundraise, because like you said, like funding is so essential. Like without funding, I cannot do yeah. anything. You know, I have like a little seed money, but that seed money is pretty much already gone. So without funding, it's impossible to do this. So there is so many little details on the day-to-day basis. It's like I keep thinking about all these things that I have to go to do, and at the end of the day, I feel like I don't do. I haven't accomplished anything <laughs> because I, I like I'm super hard on myself. Yeah, I wanted to touch a little bit about the sustainability, and I think before I went to Peace Corps for me, I didn't really know what that looked like. I, I mean, I know about sustainability, sus- sustainable, what that means, and what that word is, but. I didn't really thought much about what that looked like. And I'm still really thinking about it now. Thinking like, well, how is that sustainable? I'm always thinking like, how is this helping the people of that country? You're always supposed to work with someone from the community. You're always, you're not taking anybody's job. You're you're always there. You know, you're supposed to teach people a skill that they can keep. When you leave, they keep it. And I didn't really know what that was like, you know, what that was like or what that looked like or why was the importance of it even I just never had thought about that and honestly any development needs to be long term I also wanted to really quickly comment on when you when you you were saying that you got to the island and said this is going to be easy because I'm from here that was kind of my same thing when I went to Panama I was like yeah I already know the language like it's going to be fine you know I, I have a little bit of an understanding of what I'm getting into and no, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Like, I knew what I was going to go do in, in the job to, to an extent, like maybe 5%. I knew what I was doing. And then the rest, like, even if though it's the same, if we're on the same continent, I guess, you know, in the Americas and I'm Mexican, so I have that background. Yeah, I, it was still very, I, I don't think it had to do a lot with the language I think it just had to do with the fact that you're still an outsider coming into a community. You're still someone that's not from the community. And anyone, you know, if you go to a different, like, um, I don't know, like, a different group, you know, a different class or something. Like, if you're at school and you're at a different class or if you're in a new neighborhood or something, people are still going to be like, who are you? Why should we trust you? And why, what do you have to offer us? Or, you know, what, who are, where do you fit in in all of this? And so, yeah, that was another thing that I was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be great. I already know Panama, like, because I, I, I had a, an assumption of what the country was like, and I was completely wrong. Yeah, I, I was completely, um, so during the week that we were doing the surveys, we were, I, we, were we felt welcome. Like, you know, I thought it was going to, yeah. we were going to have a little bit more of a pushback about answering the questions and f- yeah. from the parents allowing the girls to eventually attend the <laughs> workshops. And that week went relatively very smoothly, you know, we were mm-hmm. able to finish what we were supposed to. We actually got in touch with one of the local groups, social groups that helped us run some of the uh, surveys and, you know, introduce us to the households because we can't, you can't just go up and show up and be like, hey, do you want to answer yeah, questions no. about my strong houses? Like, obviously not. That's, um, yeah. So that first week set up an expectation. I was like, oh yeah, I, I don't think this is going to be that difficult. 
And then the second oh. trip came up and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is nothing that I had expected. And then the third trip came up and I had already learned so much that it's like, this is really, this is going to be probably the biggest challenge in my life after Peace Corps. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like with my interaction with the girls that we already have in the group, um, that I already feel like I can, I can set an example for so many of them um, because I've already, I've already seen what love and dedication and discipline can mm. do for some girls, um, and they are like the fuel that keeps me going. Because when I came back in November, I was like, I, I honestly don't know if I can do this. And I was like, yes, I, I have to because I already promised myself. So I, bu I, I booked my second ticket and I, I gave myself certain time to have things ready. And that's I, I just came back in back in March, like a, a couple of weeks ago, actually, from the first full month of being in the island, and it's been such a roller coaster already, and it's been pretty much only a month of like activities, and it's like wow, this is gonna be like really really difficult, but at the same mm. time extremely uh, rewarding. Like I think it's worth 100 my time and my dedication mm -hmm. I just need to be very mindful of like how to balance what I want to accomplish with my yeah. emotional health and mental health as well I don't know there is like a lot of things to consider when you're trying to start something like this and I honestly encourage whoever out there is thinking about doing mm -hmm. it because it's worth it but again I cannot stress enough mm -hmm. how important it is for you to truly and know why why is it that you want to do something like this yeah um yeah yeah and i think um that just being involved in other organizations first is helpful to get just an idea totally. of what yes you know like if it's not peace corps there's organizations in the country in the u.s or or wherever where people are doing grassroots work they're doing specific types of jobs that are with the community you're working you know with the community on in doing these things so it's a different level when you're you know in, in international out of the u.s or out of your country um but i think just because of i you know, again when we go back to how we started this episode life is not life is very different after peace corps and just even if it's just living outside of the u.s um for people in the U.S., just being outside for a while, not for a week, not for touring, <laughs> for a while, like in another country, you see that people do things different, you know, and it's not that it's wrong or right. It's just people just do different um, things differently. Like there's a saying, I heard it the other day, it's like there's a million ways to skin a cat, is it? Have you heard of that saying? No, never. <laughs> or maybe a cow, I don't know. But there's just a, many ways to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're like, I remember, I mean, even being in Peace Corps in Panama, I remember sometimes being like, why is this person doing, why is it doing it this roundabout way? Why, you know, me judging it, like, why is this, do, why is it going like this? But, I mean, this, the thing, the thing that needed to happen still got done, you know, and, and who am I to tell someone to do it a different way, you know? Um, but I guess, uh, what, like, what I'm saying is, there was such a big awakening after Peace Corps of what life is like in a lot of ways um, and yeah and I think people that want to do work with 
with like an international org or anything. I think just starting in at home or being involved in some type of community project at home is helpful. Um, I do want to say something else because yeah, we clearly we both did Peace Corps, uh, Peace Corps, and it did change our lives. And we usually mm-hmm. say uh, things about you know leaving the the USA and going and explore. Mm-hmm. But I will say, um, I don't know who will eventually listen to this podcast. Yeah. But if anybody from outside the U.S. but live in a very privileged way, step out of your comfort zone and step out of your privileged oh, yeah. bubble. Uh, because even <laughs> yeah. even when I tell what I'm doing to family and friends, they're like, what are you yeah. doing? Like, I don't understand <laughs> why you're doing this. Like, the why or how. Um, and it's because yeah. it's really easy to be comfortable, right? Like, have a beautiful yeah. home and have electricity and running water 24-7 and access to Wi-Fi and having, if you have kids, have their, your kids going to a good school. It's really easy to just adapt yeah. to that life and just pretend that a lot of things are happening outside. So um, yeah. I'll say I would just challenge um, people to just step outside that comfort zone and, and, and just realize that there is a lot of things that need to happen and there is a lot of things that need to change and we cannot wait for the government, especially here in Colombia. We cannot mm-hmm. wait for the government because that's never going to happen. So yeah. um, I wish more people would take action mm-hmm. and actually, I'm not saying I'm going to save anybody, but I think we need more yeah. people committed uh, with our own communities yeah. and, our own, and our own people as well. Hello, thank you for listening to our very first episode of Developing. If you like the show, please subscribe, leave a review, and share with friends or on social media. To donate and support Las Fuertes, you can find the GoFundMe link and social media links in the show notes. You can also find my contact info all in the show notes. Mil gracias, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Ciao!